Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. I'm Meryn. Um, The Bible reading is from 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 4 to verse 10. So that's chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says... See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Evening, everyone. Every week or so, I have reason to go to Epping or Eastwood, sometimes West Ride, visit Coorong. Uh, and so I, from West Pennant Hills, I take Beecroft Road. Uh, I'm headed south down Beecroft Road. You know, you go through Beecroft, you go through Cheltenham, you understand this road. Yes, yeah, some of you do. Great. All right. It's a, it's a pretty common road. You should look into that. All right. Uh, on the way down through Cheltenham, there's this building I love to see on the left. It's this old church building. Until this morning, I didn't know what denomination it was, uh, but this morning the oldies were able to yell out, it's congregational! So it was a congregational church once upon a time. I say once upon a time because since I've lived in Sydney, it has not been a church. When we first moved here, it was empty. Uh, More recently, it's now a childcare centre. And honestly, it looks great. It's really good. There's this giant playground down the side of the church. There's this new big glass atrium at the front of the church. It's so awesome to drive past when there's lots of kids playing outside. It's just full of life. I just kind of wish it was still a church and full of life, you know? Less often than heading to Cheltenham, uh, I have reason to go to Hornsby. But when I'm in Hornsby, there's another old church building. And this one's not a childcare center. This one offers Buddhist meditation classes. And I think it's great that we live in a free society where people are able to practice their faith in safety and comfort. I just kind of wish they were still praising Jesus in that building. Each passing census the government releases every five years suggests that Christianity continues to decline in Australia. And in the midst of this decline, sometimes people express hostility towards Christians. I mean, sometimes we exaggerate it, but sometimes there is hostility towards Christians. Sometimes Christians are seen as problems or obstacles. But I think more often than being seen as a problem or an obstacle, more often than experiencing uh, hostility, churches are seen as irrelevant. A non-factor, just irrelevant. If St. Matt's, this church was to disappear, 
If the church in Australia was to disappear, it can feel like it really wouldn't matter that much to the rest of society. And if that's true, if I'm accurately reflecting kind of where the church fits in Australia today, then I think this situation would have really resonated with the people that Peter was writing to 2,000 years ago. They're this collection of Christians kind of scattered across what's modern-day Turkey in a bunch of different cities. And in whatever city they're in, they are a tiny minority. They, they do actually experience outright hostility for following Jesus. At worst, that's what happens. At best, they're just kind of disregarded. They're dismissed. Their environment is giving them no reason to feel like they matter. And so Peter writes to these Christians. He writes to them to address the discouragement that they feel. He writes to remind them that how the world sees them is nowhere near as important as how God sees them. He writes to remind them that they might not matter to the world, but they matter for the world. And that's true for us today at St. Matt's as well. We might not matter to the world, but we do matter for the world. And maybe you're just here tonight out of obligation to a parent or to a friend. You just felt like you couldn't say no any longer and you're here. Great to have you with us. Thanks for coming. And maybe it's been your experience that churches really are irrelevant. And I'm doing nothing to dispel that right now. That's okay. Maybe you're someone, though, that's grown up in the church, your very church, and you're kind of stressed out to see the church slowly shrinking in Australia. Maybe you're someone that kind of is okay with Jesus, but you look at the church and you just think, I might be picking the losing side. Wherever you're at, I think there's something in these verses for you tonight. So let's pray and we're going to jump into it. God, we thank you so much that you want to speak to us and that you've spoken to us through this letter. And we pray that you'd help us understand it now so that we could live with hope and make the most of our time here on earth. Amen. So in the eyes of the world, the church might be irrelevant. But who are we in God's eyes? How does God see Christians? How would he describe us? And Maren did a great job reading the Bible for us. Thanks, Maren. Uh, reading 1 Peter 2, 4-10. But if you found it hard to follow, I have a theory as to why. It's because that first sentence, that first sentence in the reading, it's 45 words long. It's too long, Peter. It's too long. And it's full of theology. So if you felt like you were getting lost, I, I, I've been lost all week. It's okay. So I'm going to simplify it for now. I'm going to ignore a bunch of this verse, this, well, this couple of verses I'm just going to try and simplify it, then we'll come back to the heart of it later. So from verse 4, in blue, this is what I'm focusing on. As you come to him, as you come to Jesus, you are like living stones being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Peter imagines the construction of a building. But instead of bricks or rocks that are making up the walls of this building, The walls are made up of what he calls living stones. The building is a building of people. It's followers of Jesus who together make a spiritual house, a home for God to live in. That's what a church is. That's what the church is. That's what a church is. It's a collection of people that make up a home for God to live in by his Holy Spirit. the, The most sacred site in Judaism is the Western Wall in Jerusalem, sometimes called the Wailing Wall. 
And the stones in this wall, they're, they're like massive. They are so big. And you can tell that once upon a time, this place was glorious. But now this wall is all that's left of a ruin. It's the last remaining wall of the ancient temple where God was supposed to dwell with his people. And Jewish people have been gathering there for centuries to grieve and to pray. And the practice in modern times is when you get to the wall, it's to write a prayer on a piece of paper and fold it up really tight and try to shove it between the cracks of the wall as people are just desperately trying to get a connection with God. But through Peter, God tells us that we are the living stones of a new spiritual house. We don't have to go to a sacred building to meet with God. We are the building. God lives here. God lives here. And then in this single sentence, Peter mixes his metaphor. We're not just the building. We're not just the living stones of a new temple. We're the priests inside the temple. We're a holy priesthood that offers up sacrifices to God. Now, a priest is like kind of literally a go-between. So in a whole lot of religions, the priest figure is the person that stands between normal people and God, or a God. They're the go-between, the intermediary, like a bridge. In, in Latin, the word for priest literally just means bridge. But Peter says that if we follow Jesus, we are all priests. We're all holy. We're all able to approach God ourselves. We don't need other people to be go-betweens for us. We can just come to him. So we don't need a sacred place. We don't need priests to act as go-betweens. We can just come to God. In a world that is estranged from God, even enemies with God, we have full access I know this is just such an obvious thing, but do you think about how remarkable it was that a bunch of people could just rock up to a mic and pray and just know that God is immediately listening? That's how easy our access is to God. We have full access. That's who we are, the people with full access. But then Peter really hits his stride in verses 9 and 10 when he describes who we are. So let's jump down there. He says in these really famous verses, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It's kind of overwhelming how many things again he's listing there, but let me just pick out a few things I want you to see. Number one, Peter says that we are a chosen people. Chosen. I once heard a man telling a story of two of his kids arguing, they were fighting. And one of his kids was a biological child and one was an adopted child. And they got pretty heated in their argument with each other. And at one point the biological child threw at the other one, yeah, well you're adopted. And then the child who was adopted said, oh let me get this right, so... They chose me. They were stuck with you. That's pretty good, right? I think there's a truth to that. And Peter says that we're chosen. We're selected. We're picked out. We're wanted. God didn't have to have us. He wasn't stuck with us, but he chose us. 
Number two, we're a royal priesthood. And number three, we're a holy nation. Back in verse four, where we were before, Peter said we were a holy priesthood. Now we're a royal priesthood. If we're children of the king, we're royalty. If we follow Jesus, we are princes and princesses in this holy nation. This nation of people that have been set apart, that have been washed clean. It sounds absurd, right? Number four, we are God's special possession. I was thinking this week, do I have a special possession? Do adults have special? I just want you to think, just think to yourself for a moment. Do you have a special possession? When I thought about it, what really came to mind for me was a very special person that I want to introduce you to. This is Percy. Percy is my three-year-old son Shepherd's special possession. Percy is an owl, a little stuffed owl, with a blanket for a lower half. Don't think about it too hard. Uh, he smells. Uh, when I collected him this morning, Shepherd brought him out to me still warm from the, the cuddles he'd got the night before. Uh, he's stained. Uh, he's a bit tatty. He's obviously ripped. Don't take this to mean anything less than this is proof of how treasured a possession Percy is. I have so many stories of the importance of Percy, not just to Shepherd, but for our whole family now. But Shepherd really just wanted me to communicate to you that he doesn't just take care of Percy. Percy takes care of him too. That is his treasured special possession. And Peter says that we are God's special possession. God treasures us the way a small child treasures their special toy. We might not matter to the world, but we matter to God. We're not irrelevant to him. I can throw him though because he's not my special possession. (laughs) It's a tough toy. (laughs) Don't be like, oh. All right. And if you're wondering how Shepard is going to bed right now without his special possession, we have two. All right. He, he knows now. He carries them both around and he refers to them both in the singular as Percy. Uh, I, I don't really understand how it works, but he's fine. Uh, this was not a tangent that needs to make me into the sermon. Sorry. All right. I was actually going to make a really important point. Dang it. All right. All right. Let's, let's rewind and pretend I didn't do that. Okay. So we might not matter to the world, but we matter to God. We're not irrelevant to him. But you hear that argument. You're hearing these verses. You're hearing what Peter's saying. And you're just kind of like, this is a bit much. All right, let's simmer down, Christians. This is a bit much. Like, I get why you want to believe that about yourself. But I've looked at the church. Maybe you've looked at this church. Maybe you've looked at other churches. Maybe just the church generally in Australia. And you're like, if the world says you're irrelevant, it might be for a reason. Maybe the world out there has a better gauge on the true value of a church than God supposedly does. Or at least how Peter's describing it. Maybe if we really were that courageous, that good, that loving, that kind, that brave, that noble, then these descriptors Peter's using for us, then they could be true. But I know churches as well. We are full of flaws and failure and inadequacy. 
So how could it possibly be that we matter the way Peter says we do? Why? Why would we be God's special possession? Why would we have such lofty status in his eyes? Why? We matter because Jesus matters. We matter because we have Jesus. There's a little movement happening in the Western world that sort of over the last decade or two started to grow a bit of steam. I don't know how COVID impacted, uh, impacted it, but this movement is called Sunday Assembly. don't know if you've heard of it, but Sunday Assembly is a practice where secular people that have no faith gather together on a Sunday morning to sing songs with each other, to hear an inspirational message, and to build relationships with one another. I think, oh, that sounds really familiar. Yes, it is really familiar. It's very consciously modeled on churches, but it's for people that don't have a faith. And I bet a lot of people in the world would look at a Sunday assembly and look at a church and think, yeah, they're basically the same thing and they're equally irrelevant. But there is a massive difference between a Sunday assembly and a church. I have friends in Sunday assemblies, that's how I learn about them, and I have so much respect for the ambition of building community. But however noble that aim, a Sunday assembly is always going to be hollow. It's always going to lack a foundation, because a church has Jesus. Remember that really long sentence we looked at right at the start. Let's look at the rest of it in verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, the living stone... Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. So we were called living stones. Why are we called living stones? Because he is the living stone. In this building Peter is describing, in this spiritual house, the first stone, the foundation stone, the cornerstone upon which the rest of the building is set, that stone is Jesus In modern day language, we'd call him the slab. We would not be a house without him. We would crumble without him. We would just be a collection of inadequacy and failure. But instead, because we are founder on him, we are set on him, we are built up on him, he makes us matter. As it says in verse 6, the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. In these verses, Peter is describing this incredibly close connection between followers of Jesus and Jesus himself. We're inextricably tied to him. So let me break down how that works. When Jesus died on the cross, he died for a reason. He was dying on behalf of anyone that wants to put their trust in him. He dies in our place as a a substitute. He steps in the way. He subs in and takes the punishment for any wrong thing we've ever done, any wrong thing we ever will do, so that we can just be forgiven. He takes all the blame. But there's more than just a substitution in what Jesus does. He's not just our sub in. When we put our trust in him, when we give ourselves to him from now on, he gives himself back to us. He shares himself with us. We're united now. Which means what's ours is his, and what's his is ours. And it is a very uneven relationship. He brings a lot more to the relationship than we do. So why are we chosen by God? Because Jesus was chosen first, and we're tied to Jesus. Why are we precious? 
Because Jesus covers us in his preciousness so that we can be precious too. Why shouldn't we be surprised if the world dismisses us? Because it dismissed him first. Peter says he was rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. And that's now our reality too. We might not matter to the world, but we matter to God because Jesus makes us matter. He's royalty, so we're royalty. He's holy, so we're holy. He's a priest, so we're priests. He's God's special possession, so we are now God's special possession. When you hear it described like that, it might be easy to think, oh, I feel like a little removed from God's love now. Like, he only loves me because of Jesus. I think you could twist it that way, but I think what Peter's actually getting at is that since we are who we are, because Jesus is who he is, since we are who we are because of Jesus, we can't ruin it. You cannot mess up and stop being holy, because Jesus is your holiness. You cannot fail and fail and fail your way out of being chosen, because it was never your success that made you chosen in the first place. Jesus makes us matter. He makes us so special to God. He makes us so special to God. But Jesus also makes us matter for the world. He makes us matter for the world. Not to the world. The world is still likely to dismiss you. Just like the world dismisses him. We might not matter to the world, but we matter for the world. So why? Why? Because within driving distance of this church, there are tens of thousands of people who don't know God. They don't know that they can just come to him through Jesus. They don't know. And there are millions of people in this city in the same boat. There are billions of people in this world that are living without hope. They're living in darkness. They don't know that Jesus could be their substitute too. They don't know that Jesus wants to share himself with them too. They don't know that just like us, they could receive mercy. They don't know that just like us, they could be God's special possession. And they desperately need someone to tell them. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, so that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We have something we need to declare. The world actually needs to hear our voices. And if God's royal priesthood don't build bridges so that others can know him, Who's going to do it? If the living stones of God's own house don't declare him, who will? The world might have dismissed Jesus, but that doesn't mean they don't still need him. And we have him. We could remain a church of about 500 people, or we could become a church of 5,000 people, or we could become a church of five people, and it would still only be Jesus that makes us matter. And this building could be converted into a gym. And there could be a cycle class happening right here every Sunday at 6 p.m. Or this building could be knocked down and rezoned for apartments. And our job wouldn't change. 
The church in Australia could bounce back and grow and grow, or it could keep on declining, but our responsibility is the same. To declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light, so that others could know that light too. We might not matter to the world, but we matter to God. And we might not matter to the world, but we matter for the world. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that we have these descriptions and that when we have cause to doubt your love, we can look back at these words and know they're for us. It still doesn't really make sense to me, but we thank you so much that we're your special possession, that you love us warts and all. And we pray, Lord God, as we learn more of that love, about more of who we are in your eyes, that we'd be able to love other people too. And we'd be willing to share you with other people. And God, we pray for anyone here tonight who doesn't know Jesus, that you'd be helping them to take that step to come to him and learn why he's so good for them too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.